Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss the exciting science behind HRV and how you can apply it to your own health and the work that you do. Just a note, this podcast does not replace medical advice, and if you're going to apply this to your own life or others, please consult with a medical provider. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. Jeff Summers here with my partner in crime, Matt Bennett. Hey, hey Matt. Jeff. How are you? Good, Jeff. How are you doing this morning? Good, man. It was 80 degrees all weekend. I, I know. Early April in Denver, Colorado. We were outside in shorts and t-shirts, man. Fantastic. Yep, only snowed once last week, and uh, <laughs> I, don't, I can't remember when the last week we haven't had snow, even if we get it like an 80 degree day in. So uh, that we were talking about, uh, you know, it's spring in Denver when it rains. Uh, <laughs> doesn't mean it's not nice. To, like last week was mostly beautiful, but you know, moisture usually turns into snow this time of year. So uh yeah, That's get right. that get that good rain. There's still some snow left over from last one's all nice and icy in places. So uh, get that good first hard rain. So That's it. And epic basketball uh, on Saturday for Ooh. sports fans. It's been a while since we've talked basketball. So Yeah, I know. I, I, I would also just throw out there uh, Friday and Sunday as well. I have become a huge fan of the women's tournament and uh, – Whew, last night, uh, boy, the Stanford uh, Arizona game. Uh, I, I, this uh, young lady McDonald on Arizona is just one of the most dominant guards I've seen in a long time on any level. And who uh, had last second shot down by one, and oh, it was close. So uh, yeah, I, I would say besides that uh, dead of a game that I thought was going to be good with Houston and Baylor on the men's side. Uh, right. Boy, college basketball did not disappoint, uh, you know, this weekend. So. Into April, that's for sure. Yeah. That's so great. Who, who, who are you going to predict? It, it'll be a prediction set in stone when this comes out. So, uh, oh, that's true. Tonight? People, uh, yeah, exactly. Zaga. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I got to go with the Zags at this point. I, I, you, you know, you hit a shot like that. It feels like it's just meant to be, man. I Although I would love to see the statistics on – how many teams, what their record is in the next game after, you know, miraculous buzzer beaters like that. It would yeah. be very interesting. Exactly. What about you? I, I just got to go with Baylor just yeah. because I grew up as an IU fan in that 1976 team, uh, kind yeah. of the Mount Rushmore of basketball teams uh, of my, you know, obviously I was two at the time that team happened, but uh you know, that, that team was just legendary, uh, rightfully so. Uh, if you ever watch, uh, like, like that's what I've been loving about women's basketball, because if you watch, especially the Michigan IU games back from that year, because Michigan was actually, uh, you know, in the championship game as well. That's when the Big Ten was good at basketball. Um, <laughs> you know, th that basketball was just so up, up and down, and the talent on those teams uh, Michigan might have been one of the top 10 teams of all time that year as well, though IU beat them three times, uh, you know, throughout the season. And, you know, so so I, I got to – it's no, two teams I don't usually root for. I think it's going to be a good game. But, 
I just, I just, I just got to keep uh, my Rushmore intact. So I'm not ready to say that Gonzaga team, even though they are really good, I'm not ready to put them up there. I'm not even ready to put them up there with the UNLV team. Uh, that that sure. I, uh, I'd love to see them play a team like that. And Baylor, after what they did to Houston, might be that team. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm interested. Now, now that we've totally dated ourselves with this introduction, <laughs> <laughs> we should uh, we should actually talk about what we what we uh, plan to talk about, which I think honestly is a really interesting subject. When we had the idea for this as as a podcast episode, I was fully on board. Um, you know, obviously, a lot has changed in the yeah. last year, and people literally overnight had to totally readjust to you know, what a world in a pandemic looked like. And now here we are 13 months later, we've got vaccinations going on, you know, all across the country at an increasing rate. And so our world's going to change again. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the frontline workers and all the, the, the people that are, you know, help, helping to keep people healthy and, you know, the amount of stress they've been under over the last 13 months things are going to change again. And so, you know, I'm really interested to get your, your take on what that recovery process is going to look like, how we can utilize HRV to, um, you know, play a role in the self-care that's going to be required. And, you know, you can't just flip a switch and say, let's go back to normal and not expect, you know, some, some challenges around that. So, I, I, absolutely. And I want to get, you know, what, why I wanted to do these, uh, you know, and us being as organic as we are, who knows how long we, we can talk about this subject, because I think it's critical right now. And th there's a couple things that I'm really concerned that I'm hearing, um, both when I talk to leaders, but also just talking to uh, staff, whether I'm doing self-care training, I'm doing a lot of leadership trainings right now, trying to get uh, leaders, managers, this, this on their radar. But, but for individuals as well is, I use this definition in my trauma training, it's called chronic trauma. And the definition of chronic trauma is being under a, a large amount of stress, an abnormally large amount of stress for a sustained period of time with the threat of a traumatic event happening. And I just want everybody to reflect. I mean, we're recording this on April 5th. So I'm going to say 13 months back. I know people might be listening to this and this might be a historical artifact uh, two years from now. Um, but, but, but where we're at now, we can almost say, I'm just going to use 13 months. Uh, with, you know, as we've been under this pressure now for 13 months. So, so when you think about a chronic trauma, and for those that know me, I don't throw the word trauma around loosely. Uh, don't tell me unless an accident happened that your commute was traumatic, right? Or uh, this meeting was traumatic. They, those things can be traumatic, but something traumatic better have happened. But what we know is when we're under a high amount of stress, uh, like I said, uh, it, it's not just like, hey, we're going through kind of a, a, an intense part of work, but that a large amount of stress with the threat of trauma happening. Because, you know, while I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be, even though I'm getting up there, I'm 46, I believe still, uh, I just stopped doing the math. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm relatively healthy for my age. So while I haven't really uh, worried that I die of COVID, having, uh, you know, parents, step parents and a grandmother still alive, all 70 and above, um, I didn't know at times if 
my family would make it out of here, uh, you know, with everybody alive, um, you know, and that worry. My, my sister a month or so and my nephews uh, got it again, healthy. Uh, but, you know, you, you hear about those exceptions to the rules. So, so we've been under this uh, extraordinary amount of stress for an extended 13 months is too long. Uh, that's one of the messages I really want to do this podcast to say too long. And, uh, you know, every day we've been worried about the health of uh, maybe if you're in the helping or healing professions, those we serve. Um, most organizations I've worked with have had at least somebody get extremely sick, if not pass away, that they serve from COVID. Coworkers might have passed away, family members might have passed away. And we've been under this stress uh, for too long. And then, you know, Jeff, the other thing I think about, and I know you're more connected to uh, the young parenting community uh, <laughs> than, than, than I am. But I just think about like all these, you know, as, as I got a first grade uh, classroom being uh, conducted over in my bedroom right now, just to appreciate that, that this hasn't just impacted our work life or our personal life. It has been this unique sort of trauma that has transcended the work-life balance and having to, are, are my kids getting the education they need uh, during this, this time span? Well, what, what impact does it have if my, my uh, you know, a child wasn't able to play their senior year of basketball or, or go to prom. And some of that can seem pretty superficial when we, we talk about people dying, but I know that this is a huge concern for folks. And I think we can shrug it off. And I've been impressed with some of the youth that they interviewed, especially early on in this pandemic to say, yeah, especially like the baseball, the spring sport players. Yeah, I'm really going to miss this next year, but people are dying. Like they, I think they handled it better than uh, some mm -hmm. of the adults did. But, you know, so, so you know, we, we see this from all these different perspectives. And um, I, I think it's, I want to just take this break to kind of step back a little bit and just say, you, you listener, you have been carrying around too much stress, uh, an unhealthy amount of stress for too long of a period of time. And I want to, and I, again, I don't know all of our listeners. I haven't done an assessment on any of them. Um, so I can't diagnose you with trauma. But however, I can sit back here after dealing with for 13 months. And Jeff, you've known the ups and downs professionally, <laughs> you know, but both with Optimal HRV, which, uh, you know, our whole launch, you know, got, got delayed substantially. But, you know, I, I was kind of paying my mortgage being an in-person trainer as well. And just sort of those, those ups and downs. The last 13 months has been traumatic for me. Um, am I doing okay? My HRV says more days than not, yeah. However, uh, you know, I know that this has been traumatic and I need to treat it that way. And I, and I wanna kind of pause there and get some of your your feedback, but, but I just really wanted to start out this episode that um, unless you convince me otherwise, I believe that I have the science, the research to show most people listening to this because of the intense amount of the stress. And I'll talk about why 13 months is important and just the worry we've been carrying around for maybe our own health, but our loved ones, our community members, our clients, our patients, 
that we're coming out of this traumatized. Uh, and Jeff, I'd love to just get uh, your thoughts uh, on uh, what's coming out of my mouth. Yeah, I mean, I can you know speak from personal experience, and you know, especially when you talk about being a parent to young children, um, how challenging that was, and you know, especially for my wife who's home with the kids. Um, not having any sort of help for so long, you know, and, and, and help isn't, is all sorts of things. It's story time at the library. It's, um, you know, childcare at the gym. It's just little breaks that as a parent, you really look forward to that give you a chance to, you know, just do your thing, you know, and, 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 and have some time to think or some time to be physically active or, you know, just some time to be a human and not just a parent and all that disappeared. And, yeah. you know, I can tell you how difficult that was um, for me, but more so for, for my wife in, in terms of all of your options, you know, babysitters, grandparents, you yeah. know, all those things weren't around for a very long time. Um, and, and a lot of it's still not back yet. You know, I mean, you still can't go to story time at the library. You still can't, you know, do those things yet in a lot of places. So, um Absolutely, you know, and, and and it's traumatic. It's difficult. The level of stress that people are carrying around is huge. I mean, you, it, it's kind of funny. You go. We were talking about it. I was at a park with the kids um, on Saturday, that same park that I I was at maybe two months ago. I was out with with my dad, so it was his part of town. And two months ago, I would say probably seventy percent of the people wearing masks, kind of keeping their distance, you know, doing the quote unquote right thing for the pandemic. On Saturday, I was one of like three people. I mean, everybody yeah. had just sort of given up, right? And yeah. and so, you know, it's just sort of this this concept of okay, now things are good. But to your point, what is what does that mean? It, it felt weird, you know. It's like, yeah. whoa, why is it weird to see people's faces? And why is it you know you, you got so used to keeping your distance at the grocery store? You know, those kinds of things are habits we've gotten into that are going to be just interesting to see how long it takes to get out of. So yeah. I know you've got some really good statistics to share and some good information in terms of, you know, how long it takes to develop new habits and, you know, all of those kinds of things. But um, you, know, you just think of your personal life and the things you do on a day-to-day -day basis have all totally changed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we talked about in earlier episodes, homeostasis and how our body, and this is an unconscious process, autonomic nervous system. We talked about the ventral vagal, sympathetic dorsal uh, vagal nerves as, as that polyvagal ladder. And I, I really encourage folks who might be have jumped in a little bit later into our series to consider going back uh, to the beginning. Also, um, all this is in the free book at OptimalHRV. Uh, dot com as well, which which you can download uh, to, uh, to to get some of this information. But we know that we are great as human beings, and I'm going to use an extreme example of this, and then bring it back to our present time. Is we we are amazing at creating a balance between us and our environment. And my work in homelessness has taught me this really well. Is there's thousands, unfortunately, in our country, thousands of people who woke up uh, around our country today in a homeless shelter, and that is their normal Monday morning. Especially, we use the word chronic homelessness to talk about folks, unfortunately, who've been living out unhoused uh, for, you know, years. And while if 
Jeff, I imagine if I took away your wallet, I took away all your contacts, I took away my couch and every other couch that you'd be able to, to crash on if you really needed it, um, and you know, threw you in a shelter and you had no money, uh, you had no friends, you had no family to reach out to, probably would be a traumatic event for you. Um, whereas these folks have built up their resiliency to homelessness uh, it's their normal Monday morning. And I'm not saying that in any way to uh, minimize the impact of homelessness. And in other words, one of the uses for chronic homelessness or excuse me, chronic trauma, you know, is that you're under that intense amount of stress. So even though Monday morning waking up in a shelter might be normal, it doesn't mean that there's not a long-term consequence to creating a homeostasis to an incredibly high stress environment with the threat, if you look at statistically with violence or assaults, you know, we, we know that that community is incredibly vulnerable, uh, you know, to a whole range of issues. So let's take that extreme because this has been an extreme for a lot of us as well. And while I'm not comparing the experience of homelessness to us doing more stuff over Zoom, um, you know, that there is a difference there. But from our homeostasis, uh, you know, as, as folks that might work in a more of an office setting, or Jeff, I know you and I used to travel uh, a, a, a lot. We, we live very different lives. And we adjusted to that, that that was our normal. And then my wife would go to school every day and teach first graders. And all of a sudden, 13 months ago, a lot of us, and I just want to acknowledge for those who couldn't make this shift, whether you worked at a grocery store, a hospital, um, a, a homeless shelter, whatever it is, because I think sometimes we're like, well, we all made this shift. Well, nope, some people kept going to work every day and putting their lives at risk to keep society going. So obviously that group experienced a tremendous amount of personal threat and danger of continuing their work as well. So I'm going to use the trauma to what they've gone through as well. But for us that made the shift is we had to make a shift without much preparation and thinking. Um, my wife, I think, was lucky because this kind of hit up last year against her spring break. So uh, she got uh, almost two weeks because they couldn't go back to school before it to start to prepare for a whole different job. You know, really? uh, virtual yeah. teaching, it's kind of like me on Zoom, very different. But I can just come and do the mat show and my trainings, um, which is a lot like me get on an airplane and doing it in a big room, doing a first grade class over a totally different way of training. So we, a little over a year ago, had to make a quick adjustment. And there is a cost to that that I don't think a lot of us have felt yet. Um, there was that because we had to keep going in um, and really surviving our jobs changing overnight. And that had a cost to a lot of us. And I, I think we have been so in survival mode uh, with this that we haven't really felt it in some way yet. yet. And then we know that about it takes, you know, there's kind of this myth of 21 days to form a new habit. You know, if you want somebody to make a change, you can still use 21 days. But we see the neurobiological sort of response to changes in environment 
takes about 66 days. Um, like I say, if you want to lie to somebody, try to get them to eat healthier or quit smoking, <laughs> just keep using 21 days because to get to 66 days, you have to get 21 days. And I'm all about the placebo effect. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm not saying if you want to be manipulative, you can use it, but we're looking at about 66 days. And, and just think back outside, maybe folks with Katrina and other natural disasters. I'm trying to think about other um shared traumas that lasted that long with the ongoing threat of death to you or those you love because uh, the numbers didn't get better like they may have dipped back but you know we we may be like we were talking before this are, are we entering another wave of this because you know i know a lot of people who traveled for spring break who were not vaccinated yet and you sure. know they I gave them some advice. They didn't listen to it. But anyway, um, so we have, because we're resilient, because we're resi human beings are resilient, we've had way more than that 66 days to adjust to this new reality we've all been. I also like to throw out there, just as I'll do, we also had the biggest civil rights movement in my lifetime happen just a few months ago. And I think for a lot of us um, watching the trial and all I can really honestly take is the highlights of it. Uh, most of it happens during my work day, but I mean, just the highlights every night are bringing back uh, a lot. And I'm, I'm a white man of privilege uh, and it's, it's really hard and re-triggering for me. And I don't even want to pretend that I have any idea what it's like for uh, folks of color in our community have experienced systematic racism in their life. So not comparing it, but it's it's hard to watch that. The, the craziest political stretch yeah, in political my spectrum. lifetime all yep. happened. We're carrying all this forward. And, and I think some of us, like I try to watch the news now, it's so boring. Like, you know, it's <laughs> like, what happened, Joe Biden? <laughs> boring what you didn't tweet something like you know <laughs> there, there's no like it's just no like controversy what's going I on know. it's like here's I, I was like watching the sunday shows and, and again outside the trial it's like this is boring like it used to be like two hours of great television sunday morning news shows but now it's like oh okay we got it we actually had an infrastructure week we were, you know it's with the plan like wow that's yeah. exciting so we we've really uh there's been other traumas so to speak for a lot of us within these pieces as well like i said just i think we're hitting like the three-month anniversary of our nation's capital being taken over that was only three months ago right and so maybe four now four uh, four months ago but you know for a lot of us it seems like a different lifetime so so we have, because result, uh, human beings do this, we have created a homeostasis or balance to this new environment. Now, the thing that I want to put on people's radar is transitioning back into new normal, and I'm doing air quotes just for our listeners there. I hate air quotes, but I got to do them, <laughs> is we're going to disrupt homeostasis again. And that is, like I said, Jeff, I want to pause and get any thoughts you have here and questions you have. But we are now, if we're going to go back into the office, I, I shared with you, you went to the park. I was uh, kind of scouting out locations for us to, to watch the finals tonight uh, and walked by a dive bar uh, in my, uh, in my, on my street. And it, it looked like pre-pandemic. Like, and I looked at that and I was like, 
oh no, I am, I'm not personally vaccinated yet. I will think about things differently once I'm, I'm like, oh, there's no, I think I even crossed the street. Like, I hope everybody in there is vaccinated. Uh, good luck. I, I'm not walking in there till I get the second shot. Uh, you know, but, but there is this like piece that, that we're doing. And, and so, you know, I think it's important to put on people's radars, our biology has really, our neurobiology has adjusted to the normal. So don't just think about transitioning back into what life was 14 months ago is going to be a relief for us. In fact- right. Which is what we think. Exactly. I think for-, for Everybody's leaders, like, I can't wait to get back to normal. How many people have you heard say that? Exactly. And, and especially for leaders and managers times. out there, I, I think human beings, uh, you know, especially in the fields I'm in, we were designed to survive this pandemic. You, you, we got to step up to help other people. We've got to be the best of ourselves. Yeah, we can do that for 13 months. I'm afraid now we've got to take care of ourselves, give ourselves a chance to recover while helping everybody else still adjust to this. And I, I think I'm, I'm really afraid what we're going to see with rates of heart attacks and other things coming out of this is uh, there, there's a huge thing facing us. Uh, and, it, and it is right. It's coming up for a lot of us in the next few months and few weeks. So I, I guess the question that I would love to get your thoughts on. So obviously it's, it was a huge adjustment 13 months ago. How much harder is it going to be to adjust again? in such a short period of time, right? I mean, it's difficult enough the first time, yeah. but I would assume that, you know, the, the shorter time span to which you have to make such a big adjustment, um, does it make it easier because you just went through it? Does it make it more difficult because you haven't recovered from, from that process in such a short period of time? What does is, what is science tell us? Great question. So one is, how are you doing right now? And I'm assuming that most of our mental, physical, emotional, social health is worse than it was 14 months ago. Just because, again, it's not only been the pandemic that we have been through. Um, right. So I'm assuming for most of us, I, I know this is, you know, and I, I've just come out, I'm going to get therapy this summer. Like, I need my, I need some uh, cognitive behavioral therapy this summer. Like I'm doing okay. I've got HRV data to show I'm doing okay, um, but I'm not doing okay. Like I, I'm, I know there's things that I probably even thought about that I'm carrying forward. So on one hand, and again, if I got any leaders or managers out there, I really want you to hear this. We have time to plan and gradually work our way back into this transition. But I also see, Jeff, leaders are also really burned out and traumatized right now. So without we that, so we've got a lot of folks who are just like, once we get the shot, we can all come back, everything will go back to normal. Like it never happened. And, and how do I see this manifesting in you know ways that I, I kind of understand is do any of my clothes fit? Like, do, do you know, uh do I still like my coworkers after all this time in Zoom? Um, you know, uh, I kind of don't like commuting to work. Right. Do I want to be back in the office? It really I, I think nice. there's a fear of that some of us may have developed like social anxiety disorder. I think me walking by that bar, like you going to the park, I'm like, I'm not sure when I'm going to be ready 
for that. <laughs> now, now another piece really wanted to go into the bar and have a beer, like, but course, yeah. that was like 10%, 90% wanted to run the other direction and right. just pray that everybody was uh, vaccinated in there. But you, you know, so like my response to the bar, your response to the park, I think a lot of people, you know, I, I think for you and I, what's it going to be like to go on an airplane again? Um, now, I think we're both very excited for that potential at some point. Um, but at the same time, well, what's it going to be like to be in a contained area with 150 or so other people? Uh, you know, is everybody going to be wearing masks? Is, are we set? You know, all those things come up. So, so, you know, I think that there's a lot more anxiety there. Uh, and I think managers have got to be particularly careful because we do have a time to plan this transition back and the new normal might be a lot more flexible and actually better. I, I think a lot yeah, of meetings sure. that I go to aren't gonna go back to, in, in, why would we all drive a half hour to go to a meeting? Maybe we do that once a month, right. but hey, we can give people three hours back if they're not commuting back and forth to these meetings. Yeah. Might, might be better, you, you know, um, I know, you know, I, I think just with our company, we're working with people on different continents now. Like, you know, mm -hmm. would that have been like teams are now bigger. So, you know, that there is this planning, but the question I have and what I'm afraid of is when we get burned out, we get very rigid. So I see a lot of people and I, I'm trying to get this on managers radars as well as, oh, we'll get everybody vaccinated. We will go back to normal. And that's not how human beings work. So what we know with trauma, and I will, again, I make an argument, a lot of us are carrying trauma from the last 13 months where we, our nervous system's just been wrecked by this in ways that we can't now see because it's become our normal is, you know, we know that trauma doesn't go away by itself. Now, obviously, if you get out of the traumatic situation, Granted, that it gets better, but but this is why I'm going to therapy this summer because I know I'm carrying around too much stress in ways I could list out for you on a piece of paper and ways I probably don't even know. So that's going to be part of what I'm calling my recovery plan. And, and earlier we talked about proactive self-care where what do we do each day to bring our best self to work and then reactive once we realize we may be experiencing some of the triggers for burnout what do we do to get ourselves back into health and wellness? Well, I would say probably 90% of people listening to this are in the reactive. We, we, we are sure. hurt. I'm sorry. So, yeah. so what is, uh, maybe it's taking a couple weeks off, at least uh, getting into therapy for yourself. Um, you know, offering it to your employees, to your team members, you know, absolutely. I'm encouraging. Yeah. Okay. You have an employee assistance program. Great. Talk to them and get one of their therapists at your site and utilize work time for people to go to therapy, because that's going to be the best investment you can make trying to triage pay time off. Well, they've been working at home this whole time. Not, not a, not a deal, right? We've yeah. got to maybe allow people to adjust collectively as a team together. Um, but then we've got to get people on, on vacation and we may have to fight them to do that, but it's right. Yeah. We yeah. almost need to triage that in, in medical talk. So, so yeah, there, there's all these factors. And if we don't address them organizationally, we're going to see our turnover rates 
uh, just skyrocket. Um, if we don't do it personally, we're going to carry this psychological damage on into the future with us. Good thing, stress, this sort of trauma, cognitive behavioral therapy, other best practice approaches. Basically, I don't even worry about the words cognitive behavioral therapy, therapy. Let me just say that. Uh, as a trained mental health professional, we're well equipped to help people through this. This isn't a, you'll need six years to recover from the last 14 months. Uh, you know, a lot of employee assistance programs, which people can access for free, six sessions. I would imagine for most of us, not all of us, because I didn't have that traumatic event where I had to say goodbye to my, my father uh, over Zoom because I couldn't go see him as he was passing away because of COVID. Um, you know, the, the numbers are just so overwhelming about how many people had to do that. Um, yeah. So six sessions, probably enough for me if you've gone through something like that. Um, you, you might need more, but we're not, again, we're not talking about even a year for most of us to recover. It's just in many ways processing this. And for leaders, um, for teammates, giving ourselves, it's just not a, okay, we're going to write the new reality down. How are people adjusting to this? What's the emotional reaction to coming back into these environments? And a lot of patience, because again, we're taking our homeostasis, which we've been developed for better or worse, from this last, again, 66 days, way more than that, right? Many times more than that. We are hardwired now for the COVID normal. So transitioning back, and I'm not going to compare it to transitioning into COVID normal from pre-pandemic, that was horrible, right? This is going to be better than that, but our baseline point has been diminished so much by the stress that we are way worse equipped for this transition. And this is why I'm just telling leaders right now, yeah, the last 13 months has been, to this point, the biggest leadership challenge I can think of in my entire lifetime. Uh, you know, the only thing I can compare it to, which I was too young in my career to really experience it, is when uh, the HIV AIDS epidemic, before the medicines hit. Uh, you know, I, I just hear stories of that. So that was in my lifetime, though it wasn't in my professional lifetime. This has been in my professional lifetime, the biggest challenge by far. But I really think the next year is going to be even more challenging because we're going to take all this pain and suffering, stress and trauma, and we've got to just not get people back to normal, but give them the recovery to get ourselves back up to the level of productivity, efficiency, um, to minimize turnover throughout this time, um, in order to keep, uh, keep the doors open, uh, keep delivering uh, great services, whatever that means for your organization. So, you know, I'm just worried that leaders, and again, leaders, you're a human being as well. You are not equipped probably psychologically, because like me, a lot of you are carrying trauma around. You've got to be those role models. So from that individual perspective, sure. I'm just telling leaders this, Jeff. I'm flat out. Usually I'm nice. You know me. I'm nice. <laughs> I, I don't want to be too assertive. Like, right. I just, you know, it's I, I like people to like me. You know, you, you got to go to therapy. If you are a leader or manager, you got to go to therapy. You need to access your EAP program yourself. Two reasons. One, 
there's a 95% chance you need it. Two, even if you're in the 5%, I don't care. You need to give your staff a firsthand account about what it's like to access your EAP and you are the role model for this. So this is this is a type of language that I don't usually use with folks. It's like, oh, you know, maybe think about this. That Nope, I, I, you got to. And go to the EAP program and have an EAP professional tell you, you don't need them. Okay, Great. Great. right now you can tell firsthand is, hey, to your staff, just think about how powerful this is, especially with the ongoing stigma around mental health with old fogies like me, because the youth, this this is not coming up in the next generation, which maybe we did something okay, Jeff, uh, mm -hmm. that the next generation is not carrying this stupid stigma around mental health. Acknowledging the mental health professions have not always been the greatest, uh, and we deserve some of that stigma. But, you know, uh, go in there, get it yourself, give a firsthand account. You likely need six sessions yourself. It's going to make you a better leader because you're going to have to hold that stress of everybody coming back. And you've held that stress now for 13 months. You, you need at least six sessions. So uh, give that firsthand account. How do you schedule a two-week vacation? Um, because if you aren't the role model for this, but you just give verb uh, language to it, People are going yep. to look at your actions, uh, especially they when they're stressed things. out. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 you know, just the awareness around that, you know, the awareness that this yeah. is, you know, bordering on traumatic for folks and, yeah. and very traumatic for others. Um, and it being you know, okay with that, accepting it and saying, hey, let's, let's, let's deal with this head on instead of just assume, you know, I'm resilient. I can just get through this I don't need help you know I mean that's that's always it's not necessarily the right way to approach anything right so yeah absolutely uh, and if I could just to kind of wrap us up what's heart rate variability uh with this and for our long-term listeners I probably hopefully at this point your brain just kind of fills in the blanks the, the interesting thing I want to see with heart rate variability is, is what, okay, we had this huge disruption happen back 13 months ago. All of our HRV, I would imagine if we got huge amount, tens of thousands of data points, took a big hit this time last year. Not, not to mention a lot of us had COVID, which we also know decreases. So we've been this, but, but I'll, I'll even look at mine Mine has rebounded now. So let's think about homeostasis. Um, HRV measures how well you're handling or recovering from stress, but it's based on your homeostasis. Now, some folks I know are lower than they were 13 months ago. So, so that gives you a clear thing that you are still struggling with this. But there's a whole, this, and this is unique, Jeff. I, I think that when we think about the history of heart rate variability, this is sort of a unique 13 months of data set so collectively is, and I, I'm, I'm proud to say this about my data, it took a hit, but you want to motivate me? Throw a challenge at me. <laughs> I, I talked about my post-traumatic growth and my own something. Okay, that, like what we do, start a company in Wales, uh, bring on a couple new partners. You know, uh, I wrote a book. Uh, you know, <laughs> we started this podcast. Like we didn't just sit around and mourn that we weren't going to do this, right? So, 
So, you know, that, and that's how, you know, I deal with stress is not sitting around. I will probably start 10 more things than need be. And hopefully a few are of value, including the podcast or the book. But so I know I dipped, but now I'm back up. I, I'm up maybe even a little bit better if I look at my historical data than before. But when I start to transition out of this homeostasis, so again, homeostasis got disruptive. I know I dipped. I was worried, how am I going to pay my mortgage? Those sort of things like a lot of other people got that recovery process, but now I'm at this new homeostasis. So now as I start to travel again, I got my first maybe plane flight to book. I, I need to check in with them to see if I'm actually get on a plane but I'm starting to transition out of that homeostasis to be an in-person trainer again. What does that mean? Do my pants still fit? I don't know. Like I, I, I like our audience <laughs> to believe I'm wearing slacks right now, but <laughs> we know that's not true. Everybody my belt still fit. fits with my loose fitting jeans. That's about <laughs> all I can tell folks. So I'm going to have this new challenge coming up. So heart rate variability, if you're not doing anything right now, to start to take your heart rate variability, measure your homeostasis right now, even if you don't have the historical data, as you transition, how is that impacting your heart rate variability? It should be normal that we see a decline. The key is when we hit that challenge to our homeostasis, which is going back to the quote unquote new normal, how long are we there? What's the impact and how do we get back up as well because again i think a lot of us including myself i'm afraid of this we're going to go back to some extent normal the next the last 13 months is going to hit a lot of us like a truck um and so to measure this to get that insight i think is just going to be critical to people and hopefully my words are enough for folks to go get those six sessions of therapy if they're available if not reach out to your um insurance companies, um, mental health, you might want to do it now because I know mental health capacity. Um, a lot of people don't have any room on there to take new clients. So even if you're not thinking, I'm not going to, don't want this until a couple months later, reach out now, get on some waiting list, uh, because this recovery is going to be so crucial for us. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, I, uh, I appreciate it. I mean, it's all good. Like I said, very interesting topic, something that I certainly haven't spent as much time thinking about as you have, but you know, the more we've discussed it, you know, the more important I think it was to, uh, you know, kind of have this discussion. So hopefully it's been helpful. Hopefully, uh, you know, it's sort of shed some light on something that a lot of people maybe haven't thought too much about that they should be. So, and to all who are listening to this, um, that are actual users of optimal HRV, you'll, You'll notice a, a brand new version that looks a lot different and has some new new capabilities. We'd love to, to get your feedback. So reach out, let us know uh, what's better. If we missed anything, any ideas, um, we would love to know. Support at OptimalHRV.com. Absolutely. It's fun to take uh, the first reading on the new version. So uh, I know, and a lot more new things to come in the next couple months, which we'll be divulging uh, little by little every uh, podcast episode. But uh, uh, Absolutely. Everybody take care of yourself. Next week, we'll talk about this from a group perspective as well. So we'll talk a little bit more about the organizational, how, how to help groups, families, those things recover too. So looking forward, Jeff, to that discussion as well. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Appreciate your time. Have a good week. Thank you for 
for joining us for this episode. If you're interested in more information about HRV, please visit us at OptimalHRV.com. Also, if you visit OptimalHRV.com, you'll be able to sign up for our email list and download our free ebook, Healing with HRV. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next episode.